Testing mic one, two, three. Test one, two, three. That's perfect. This is Carl Hughes with Town Square Media, your host for Issues and Answers. Issues and Answers is a public affairs program for Western Colorado. Residents and members of our community tell us what concerns they have, and from that feedback, we identify significant issues to include in our weekly program. Today, my guest is Greg Moore, Executive Director of Homeward Bound of the Grand Valley. Today, we will be discussing the numerous programs and services offered by Homeward Bound and discuss homelessness and more in the Grand Valley. Greg, welcome to Issues and Answers. Thank you. It's delighted to be here today. There's a lot of misconceptions and I would dare say a lot of prejudices about homelessness and how it affects the people that are indeed struggling and how it affects us as a community. Let's back up a little bit. Your organization, Homeward Bound of the Grand Valley, give me a little bit of information about the history and where you started and how you got to where you are today. Well, thank you. Homeward Bound has been around for 21 years now. It was started uh, by a group of concerned organizations, individuals, St. Mary's Hospital, Catholic Charities, a couple of churches, and uh, the Housing Authority, Grand Junction Housing Authority, because at that time they recognized that there were numerous individuals that were uh, without a place to call home, that were living on the streets for one reason or another. And they got together and, and started, and we actually incorporated as a 501c3 in 2002 um, and have been actively serving uh, homeless individuals since that time. Started off with about 10 beds and now has progressed to uh, two facilities and uh, about, uh, let me think here, almost 250 uh, beds that we're able to provide for people that are experiencing homelessness. So we've been at this for a long time and have uh, worked to provide care for the most vulnerable among us. And with 250 beds available, I assume that's both for individuals and families. And I think a lot of times somebody says homeless, you think of the guy on the street corner with the sign. You don't think of a family that might be, but you serve families as well. That's correct. Homelessness is another one of those equal opportunity employers, if you will. Any one of us under the right set of circumstances could find ourselves uh, without a place to sleep for the night for a variety of reasons. And we serve uh, families with minor children and single adults. There uh, is another organization in town uh, called Caris that services the youth from uh, 13 to 24. So we've got the spectrum covered in that regard. When one thinks about families, that tends to be a little more of an invisible problem. Uh, every now and then, I will notice that there's someone or a family out flying a sign. But for the most part, they tend to be couch surfing or sleeping in their car or doing other things that aren't so readily visible, but nevertheless are experiencing homelessness. And I believe you are the only open year-round shelter between Delta and Salt Lake City. Is that correct? 
uh, between Denver and Salt Lake, about a 200-mile radius uh, of the western Colorado that we, uh, that we serve. There are other communities that have small shelters, but we're by far the largest one between Denver and Salt Lake, and we're the only fully trauma-informed, trauma-informed uh, design shelter uh, west of the Mississippi until you get clear out to the West Coast. So that's an interesting phrase, a trauma-informed facility. What does that mean, or what does that entail? Well, trauma-informed care is a concept of care that's been developing over the last couple of decades, and it has to do with recognizing that each and every person in this life suffers some form of trauma, some much at a much deeper level and more prolonged way than others. And the notion is that we need to be aware of that because it can affect our responses to the environment and the people around us and can create some significant relational difficulties in the process, both internally for us as a person and externally as we engage with other people. So trauma-informed care says let's account for that in how we construct the facilities and how we operate the facilities and how we train the staff that is, that is uh, interacting with the people. We know that from the research that we're doing here just uh, in-house, that a very high percentage, 90% plus of the, of the individuals that arrive at our door have experienced significant levels of trauma for one reason or another. Um, most with very high levels of adverse childhood experiences and as a result then of being homelessness, of homeless, having experienced trauma on the streets in varying ways. So what that produces is an extraordinarily high level of difficulty uh, in, in relationships. It can result in substance use disorder. It can result in all kinds of other adverse issues that will enter into a person's life. So we endeavor at Homeward Bound to uh, account for that and to operate our environment in a way that reduces those uh, environmental triggers as much as we possibly can. All of us, I think, have some sort of idea that we've already implanted in our minds of the typical homeless person and the causes of homelessness, which, you know, obviously from your description about the trauma-informed center and, you know, what the makeup of all of us is, you know, there's, it's so much more than a single reason, I'm certain, for homelessness. Is there, other than trauma, is there a common reason for homelessness? You know, is mental health also in there? You mentioned substance abuse, whether it's from the trauma or, you know, one of their traumas. Other circumstances, is there any, other than trauma, any common thread? Um, well, the, the common factor that they're all experiencing is, is they find themselves without a home at the present time. Now, the, it's very seldom a single cause kind of thing. Um, more often than not, there has been uh, some uh, perhaps triggering event, but there is also a, 
a plethora of other circumstances that have arisen that have contributed to uh, varying levels of difficulty navigating through life. Examples might be if someone has had a high level of adverse childhood experiences and they end up in, in foster care, for example, and then have some adverse experiences there, and then they age out of the system and haven't developed um, uh, along the line uh, sufficient social skills to be able to function at, at a reasonable level, they can, uh, using this as an example, can find themselves really struggling to find and maintain housing and employment. And that can lead to all kinds of other kinds of things. There are individuals who suffer from severe forms of mental illness who are simply not able to maintain a consistent level of employment and, and care for themselves in, in that way. There are individuals who, uh, in the pandemic, for one reason or another, their jobs just plain went away. Then what? Um, they may have, we're seeing now, a wave of, of, of uh, in particular families, who have suffered from the pandemic uh, economically and are now without resources to sustain housing. And so they're ending up uh, staying with us for a period of time. That's largely the economic disruption sort of a factor that uh, anybody could experience uh, somewhere along the line. Uh, there's uh, individuals who suffer from various forms of addiction and substance use that uh, struggle to maintain a more consistent employability and lifestyle. So there's no single uh, cause. But what I would say about that is this. Every one of them is a human being with value and that matters and that uh, is worthy of dignity and respect by those around them. And the sad fact is that more often than not, that's the last thing that they, they receive. And the uh, capriciousness at times of the uh, treatment is difficult to comprehend. Um, we as human beings at times are very unkind to one another. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and it, you know... The least of these, those that are struggling with the most, are the most vulnerable, and it seems like the personalities of some of us draw us to misbehave or misjudge or just mistreat those people. You mentioned, you know, families through the pandemic. One of the things that occurred to me is right now in our valley, our housing costs, both rental and purchasing, are incredibly high, and I know I've had the housing authority in there is a long wait list for low income mm -hmm. and housing. So part of the circumstances are not just what the person is going through, it seems, but what the availability of true shelter is in our community. Is that right? That's exactly right. You know, this, the uh, societal factors that are at work are, are impacting all of us. But for an individual who's um, uh, 
just say, for example, at 50% of or less of AMI, that's a, a average median income, which in Mesa County is around $65,000, $66,000. So half of that would, let's just for the sake of discussion, be somewhere thirty-three dollars to $35,000. When the price of a single-bedroom apartment is $900 to $1,000 a month, they become rent-challenged very quickly, even at that level. Most of the individuals we serve are at 20% or less, some absolutely with no income for a variety of reasons. More often than not, they're disabled for one reason or another and unable to produce income. So, you know, the average disability uh, payment is between seven dollars $800 a month. Uh, that's something of a no-hoper in the rental market. Um, we right now have an average of 30 to 35 people every month staying with us who are working full-time, who are unable to uh, find suitable housing with the income they have and, and often with some of the uh, challenges that they have either uh, because of past history or their uh, personal situations. So um, it's, it's astounding to see the number of, of individuals who we serve who stay with us, who are working full-time and want to be productive and are unable to find anything that's affordable uh, for them to be able to change their situation substantively. I know your website mentions emergency shelter. Obviously, for those that are chronically homeless, both because of the lack of affordable housing in our community, um, and then I guess there would always be a segment of the population you serve that are going to be chronically homeless, that that's the life that they've adapted to, and you know they're going to continue on that way, or do most people have a goal of trying to find housing and to change their circumstances. I know it's kind of hard. I, I think that's a both end. It's not an either or. Right. In this, in this context, I think there are very few individuals that, given the choice between someplace warm and comfortable to be and sleeping in a tent when it's 10 degrees or zero, right. uh, would not choose someplace warm and comfortable. The, this, the trick to all of this is that for a variety of reasons, more often than not mental health issues or substance use, those kinds of things, the, there are individuals who cannot sustain that kind of an environment without significant social supports around them, intense case management, consistent medical care, access to the kinds of of behavioral treatment that will help them cope effectively and be able to uh, sustain the kind of, of uh, even a single one-bedroom apartment. Um, so we can f bring a functional end to homelessness, but we have to make the commitment to the other support services that are necessary for those individuals to, to sustain it. I will say this about that. The overall cost, 
societal cost taken as a whole when you account for the cost to the, the of the medical care in the emergency rooms and things, the cost for the first responders to do that, the cost for the police to and the court system and all those kinds of things is enormous. It's far less, uh, uh, takes a far smaller investment uh, from society to house people and provide the services than it does to do the other things we're doing now um, and and have our jails be the treatment centers and have the police and first responders spending all their time in the emergency rooms full of people who that's the only place they can get medical care. So um, I think it's a multi-pronged approach to this, recognizing that housing is the symptom. It's also the basis for changing things, but it takes a whole range of things all coming together and working and collaborating together to address this effectively. And when I say a functional end to homelessness, what I'm saying is we can bring it down to near zero, but we'll never get to absolute zero. But we can uh, and are, as a community, developing strategies toward that end and I believe with the, the level of collaboration, cooperation I see among the governmental agencies and with the service agencies here in town, we are getting positioned here to make a substantial uh, difference in the visible individuals who don't have any place to go. For those that are just joining us, today my guest is Greg Moore, Executive Director of Homeward Bound of the Grand Valley. Today we're discussing the numerous programs and services offered by Homeward Bound, discussing homelessness and more in the Grand Valley. Let's move on. Talk about the facilities that are currently run by Homeward Bound. If I understand it right, you've got the facility on North Avenue and then the Pathways facility. So if you could tell me a little bit about each of those. Okay. Well, uh, let's begin with North Avenue. Um, that was a building that was originally built as a Knights of Columbus Hall, and um, it has been remodeled several times. We're currently in the midst of another remodel. That's at 2853 North Avenue. That's been our home uh, since we got started. That facility houses, um, uh, we have 100 beds and another 20 to 25 mats we can put on the floor when we get when it gets really cold, the weather gets nasty. So we can accommodate about 120 to 125 individuals a night there. We provide a breakfast and dinner. We provide a safe outdoor space underneath the canopy where people can be during the day that has some infrared heaters and some lights in it so there's a safe place for people to be. Uh, we did that because we recognize that uh, when you're out on the street, there ain't nowhere safe. Um, so we were looking to create a space where they could be during the day. Um, and, and also with that, and I'm really excited to talk about this, we have a new program called Homeward Hounds. And in cooperation with Royce Hurst, um, uh, who went out and, and got a grant from PetSmart to make this happen, we have, uh, there will be nine what we call pallet shelters there that are little individual um, places that are uh, set up there and they have heat and lights and electricity and uh, a safe space. And we are uh, going to be making those available to people with pets because that's a group of individuals we have not been able to serve. Your typical congregate shelter, which is more of a, 
a bunk room type situation doesn't mix well with with people with pets. So we're excited to be rolling that out. We're working with the county and some other authorities that have jurisdiction to get all the final approvals and hope to have that rolling here in the next 30 days. So there's lots of good things happening. We also remodeled that facility and are bringing it up to the trauma-informed care uh, standards that we have over at Pathways, which is our second facility. That's over on 29 Road, just north of the canal, north of Orchard Avenue. It's a new three-story building. If you're driving by, you'll see it there. Uh, That uh, facility was built and designed according to the trauma-informed design standards, and um, it houses uh, families with minor children, and that's where all of our other programs and services that we offer are housed in that facility as well. We have a a variety of different uh, pathways, that's why it's called pathways, that someone can choose to pursue uh, in an effort to uh, create a situation for themselves where they can stabilize and then move into permanent housing, which is our our ultimate goal for everybody, is that everybody would have some form of, of housing that's designed for human habitation, that's a safe place for them and, and their pet or their family or just as an individual to be. So let's talk a little bit about those programs. Um, obviously, one of the programs is shelter, and you've got it available both for families and single adults. Um, tell me about your food recovery program. That's a, From what I read on the website, just a in pretty ingenious and a wonderful um, setup. Well, we've been working with a number of organizations Uh, here in the Grand Valley uh, for a number of years to uh, work at getting the right food to the right people when they need it. And there's a lot of really good work being done in this this arena. Western Colorado Community Foundation has led the way um, in, in gathering us all together and saying, how can we do this well? There are a number of other partners, Food Bank of the Rockies, Clifton Christian Church and their food bank, uh, the the local food bank, uh, the school district uh, does some of this. And we have, uh, through a grant from uh, Western Colorado Community Foundation, have been able to purchase a, a box truck that's temperature controlled and has a, a lift on it. So our truck goes out five days a week and we pick up uh, donations, we pick up uh, food that's been prepared, uh, St. Mary's and the convention center uh, provide us whatever they don't use that's pre-prepared. We we gather all of that up. There's a number of, of Starbucks that work with us, uh, uh, Walmart and Sam's and, and other organizations like that. Uh, we gather up that food and we bring it back in the Food Bank of the Rockies and we weigh it and sort it and then we keep for what we can use for our purposes and what we gather up that we can't use, we distribute to the other food distribution organizations that we work with in an effort to be sure that uh, as little is wasted as possibly can be and as much as can possibly be used to give to somebody that needs a meal or needs a food box or whatever the case might be. Uh, We also work with Canyon View Vineyard on the weekend with their 
uh, food distribution efforts. They take the box truck on Sundays and use it for their purposes to uh, distribute food to those in need. So there's a whole community of people involved in food distribution to those in need that is beautiful to watch work. Uh, the, the, the heart of mercy and grace that's at work there is tangible. Well, and to address the needs of the community that didn't fall under the label of homelessness, but they're struggling. You know, they're using what little income they have to pay their housing and utility costs, and they struggle with food, and especially with a family, what a challenge. Incredible blessing to see this amount of coordinated working together by mm-hmm. so many organizations. Yes. How about on-site health care? You said, is that also something that occurs at the Pathways facility? Well, you know, it's, it, it, that's another really interesting story. About, well, see, it would have been almost a year and a half ago now, Lucy Graham, who's the director of the, of the uh, education at the School of Nursing at CMU, called us, and we had been working with them for some time to, in an effort to provide internship opportunities for their students, said, hey, we've come across a, the possibility for a grant here for a nurse-led clinic to serve in rural areas for underserved populations. Would you guys be interested in partnering with us to do that? And we're kind of going, wow, that's out of the box. We hadn't even thought about that. Now, Marillac and others have come uh, consistently over the years and provided services on site, you know, once a week, that kind of thing. We were in the middle of building Pathways Family Shelter at that time, and through kind of divine providence, we had designed some space in there that was originally designed to create space for people who were sick with the flu or something where we could safely house them and not have them be on the street when they were ill and needed a place to recover. Well, just so happened these spaces, one of them was was a suitable for this sort of thing. So our uh, grant writing team and our board chair, Bill Wade, partnered with Lucy, and we submitted this grant. Now, um, that was a nationwide grant. They were going to make 18 awards nationwide, and on the first call when they were putting this out, there were over 300 universities and, and organizations who were interested in applying for this grant. Uh, frankly, it was a shot in the dark. We didn't think there was any chance at all that we would be awarded the grant. However, in June of, of last year, um, they called and said, you were awarded this grant. We now have a three-year grant that is funding a nurse-led, a DNP-led clinic, along with a Ph.D. behavioral health care provider and a, med- a, a medical assistant, and a family navigator that's housed right in the Pathways Family uh, Shelter building. Now, why is this important? For someone who doesn't have a home, access to medical care is incredibly difficult to do and sustain. Um, and if for no other reason than just transportation back and forth, um, to give you an example, if someone is staying at Pathways Family Shelter, and they need to get down to St. Mary's, it's an hour trip on the bus to get from where we are to there, or they're walking or riding a bike or something. Then they're in 
a situation where they're in an emergency room and they never know if they're going to see the same person or if they're or what the situation is going to be. And that's no knock on that. That's an exceptional medical facility we have here in the community, along with community hospital and all the others. My point is that it's difficult for someone without a home to access the care and get consistent care. Uh, much less access to the drugs consistently that they might need for medical care or behavioral health health care uh, to address the very real mental stresses and issues and things that come with that situation. So having the access to the care right on site, um, not only can they provide care at Pathways, they can go over to North Avenue and provide care there. They can go down to Catholic Outreach in the Day Center and provide care there. And the, the people that get the care know that they're going to have a consistent provider and will always be there, and their ability to get into the system and get signed up for Medicaid and all those other things that make it possible goes up exponentially. The other thing that we've observed is that with the consistency of care, we're seeing people with the chronic medical issues that come when you've been homeless for any significant period of time, your chronic medical issues go up dramatically. We've seen those get ameliorated in a great extent because we're able to provide that consistent care and they develop a trust relationship with the provider. So that reduces the societal burden and it also makes it um, we're able to be more effective in providing other services to them because now they're more stable. So the, the net effect is, is very great. Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to run out of time. So one of the things I'm going to ask you is that in the next few months, if you'd be willing to come back, because I got a lot more that I want to talk to you about. Well, sure. I enjoy talking with you. That'd be great. One of the things I'd like you to do now is give us some information as far as phone numbers, websites. Um, if you are seeking more volunteers, obviously donations because you're a 501c3 organization. So take us out with how we get hold of you and what we can do to help you. Okay. Well, our website is Homeward Bound GV. That's Homeward Bound is in Grand Valley. Homeward Bound GV, uh, dot org. And um, the phone number is 970-256-9424. That will take you right to our main switchboard, and someone will answer the phone and say, Welcome to Homeward Bound. This is Greg speaking. How may I serve you today? Or whoever happens to answer the phone. And um, in terms of volunteering and donating, you can do that. Uh, sign up uh, to uh, be contacted by our volunteer coordinator on the website, and you can donate right through the website as well. We also accept... Uh, clothing donations at our North Avenue location Monday through Friday between the hours of 9 and noon. We have a, a thing we call the donation station. We lease a space in the a shop at next to us. And we take all those donations and we have a team that we're uh, also training for retail sales that takes all of that, sorts it, sizes it, does all that kind of stuff. And then we will give the people who are staying with a voucher and they can go over and get clothing. And, and have the dignity of having good, uh, clean clothing to wear. So much good. You guys are a blessing to our community. 
Today, my guest has been Greg Moore on Issues and Answers with Town Square Media. Greg is the Executive Director of Homeward Bound of the Grand Valley. Greg, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This has been Issues and Answers from Town Square Media. If you would like to suggest a topic for our weekly program, simply open our station app, hit the app chat feature, and send us a note about an issue you would like to hear discussed on Issues and Answers. You can also reach us by phone by dialing 970-242-7788. I'm Carl Hughes. Join us next week for another round of Issues and Answers with Town Square Media.